Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. How did the Celtics extend their winning streak over the Warriors? Can this be a potential finals matchup? What's the deal with Lonzo Ball? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown live post-game show slash podcast for tomorrow as we are going to discuss the Warriors and the Celtics hooking up in a game in uh, Boston Garden or whatever they call it now. And as always, I'm joined by Dave Dufour. So Dave... Glad to see you here. Glad to have everyone else in here, too. So let's talk about this game. What do you think? Um, it was fun. We didn't have a blowout. Uh, we It started to look like we were going to have one. And, uh, you know, my my young adult son, Jalen Brown, showed yeah. everybody why I think he's got top 15 player in the NBA potential. Um, the dude can play. And he showed up. This is arguably the biggest stage, at least regular season-wise, where he's being featured like this. And uh, I think he showed us quite a bit of what he can do. Absolutely. I was really glad I quoted, I, I must've tweeted like three or four plays in a row. Uh, and, and also said he, he grew up tonight. This was his chance to literally come of age on a great stage, national TV, best team in the league. And it's it, nothing changed though. He's been making these plays all season long. Um, on both ends of the court, and he kind of reminds me of Scottie Pippen a little bit. Does he remind you of that? Yeah, quite a bit, actually. You know, just the sheer amount of plays he's involved in. He's around the ball. He's getting a lot of deflections. He's getting rebounds. He's getting putbacks. He's he's hitting threes now. He's a a really great athlete. Uh, He only had one play where I would have liked to have seen a little bit better where he went to the hole against KD and kind of wimped out on it a little bit. And, uh, I mean, listen, that's a hard – order to, to to make on that one but uh other than that he was fantastic and basically i guess deserves the game ball uh yeah i, w- I would say so um you know the, the story of this game and, and we'll get to the officiating i'm assuming at some point uh sure but steph i i hate to say that but when it's 32 19 in free throws and and that Kyrie call there at the end was just i mean atrocious but um yeah Clay and well, here's Steph the thing about combined. That. They, they called it on um, Draymond or Katie, whoever it was, on the Kyrie drive. But if he doesn't – they don't call that, then it looked to me like Horford's getting a putback right away. Maybe. But, you know, I'd rather let those guys play than, you know, have the bailout call. Um, right. And they could call uh, – they could follow Steph- Horford, who may or may not hit that shot uh, for, uh, for sure. free throws. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, so Steph and Clay combined for eight of – they were eight of 32 from the field, five of 20 from downtown – and took two free throws. Yeah. Now, well, he doesn't shoot a lot of free throws, but Steph went to the that line surprising once. To you? That Steph only went to the line one time? Uh, yeah, that's little, pretty surprising. Well, let's see. I mean, that's a little surprising. That's a little bit low. But, you know, then again, I'm trying to think of to, in this game. I mean, okay, let's get to the referees while we're here. Um, 
there's no question that once it got to 17 points, the game completely shifted. Now, the the, the Celtics decided to go down low and, and go to uh, Horford a lot in the post, and that's going to be an area where fouls can be called. But there's no question that the whole tone changed. And this is the key to the Warriors. If you can get them in foul trouble, you get somehow get the refs to give you calls, so that's what happened, then they get out of sorts. They lose their rhythm. That's the whole key. you got to get them to lose their rhythm. And if they voluntarily lose it a little bit because they got frustrated and KD got caught up in some stuff, and he hit a couple shots, but he definitely felt like he forced some other ones. And um, so did Clay. And, and you know, so, so that is the recipe here is, you need to get him into foul trouble, the, the, the principles here, and that's either Draymond or Steph. Those are the two guys, it feels like. Uh, it kind of gets the whole team out of sync pretty quick. Uh, yeah, and you and I talked about this last year in the lead-up to the to the playoffs where we thought Steve Kerr was creating some adversity early so that they would be ready for the playoffs. Tonight, now I'm not saying that's the case here, but there were some, you know, would have become – his signature uh, funky lineups. He he had a lineup out there to end the first quarter. It was Draymond, Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala, JaVale, and uh, Nick Young. I, I mean, yeah. that is just a weird lineup. Um, it, I mean, I it was nice to see Omri Caspi uh, playing in crunch time tonight. I thought his defense was actually pretty, pretty damn good. Um, but, uh, you know, Jordan Bell, Pat McCaw didn't play. I don't, is something, is he hurt or something? Uh, not that I know of. Yeah, you're right. It, yeah, it was so. a weird, you're, and by the way, Nick Young played well. He was, he was hustling he on did. defense. He hit a few threes. Sure. It, that was when it was he going was nicely. Minus 14. <laughs> he was? He was minus 14. So, uh, Steph Curry was minus 14. Uh, Andre Iguodala was minus 18. Nick Young minus 14. Those are the big standouts there. Uh, meanwhile, on the other side, yeah, uh, Horford was plus 16. Uh, Marcus Smart, plus 15, despite going 0 okay. for 7 and having one point. Well, okay, let's talk about why the plus minus is not so accurate then, because Marcus Smart was probably the worst player on the floor in the whole game. I don't know about that. I think defensively he he was doing a pretty good job. Outside of the, you know, I mean, when he defended his own, you know, Kyrie's layup uh, with yeah, that right. offensive goaltending. His defense was important, and and, you know, for some reason, and I don't know if you read this, uh, uh, Matt Moore wrote a, I think it was Matt Moore that wrote a piece about how he's guarded, and he create he has some gravity because teams for some reason get scared when he has the ball and they pressure him up too high, and it creates a lot of open space for people. So you know some of that is fool's gold, right? It's not about his performance; it's just his presence on the court. But defensively, I, I mean, you know, he he drives the engine, man. I, I, well, I didn't see Marcus Smart having any gravity tonight. I felt like they were more than happy to let him to, to do that. In fact, they kind of let him suckered him into it, and then all of a sudden he's in the air and he's trying to pass the ball and he was turning the ball over a bit. So um, I don't know. It was a strange game. Uh, it, by, by the way, if you had a chance to watch my preview from yesterday that I released about how this game is going to go, it was, it was remarkable in the fact that what we pointed out with the Celtics, what they like to run and what they've been running the last three games that works, they ran that play, and I, I forgot that someone actually tweeted me the name of the play, and I'm forgetting now what it was, but uh, basically high post entry, and then the guard curls around for a flex action. Um, they ran that play like 20 times, maybe more, and it was crazy, and they were getting a lot of great stuff. Now, here's the thing about the 17-point lead, I felt like, in the first half. The Celtics ran their offense pretty well in that whole first half. They just couldn't hit a shot, and I think that was the problem when I was thinking, you know what, they're not ready for prime time against the elite teams because their offense just isn't good enough. And obviously their defense is terrific. 
And, um, you know, when the game only when the game got mucked up there and the refs got involved, did they have a chance? And then, you know, they, they eke it out. So but uh, that, that is still a problem. I feel like they uh, Brad Stevens could look at the tape and say, this is great offense. We're really running. We're executing. We're getting uh, cuts in our screens. We just can't hit shots that we need to be able to hit against these teams. Um, so that's going to be an issue in a, in a series. But, um, you know, can they compete with the Cavs based on what we saw tonight and beat them? Um, I think so. Uh, I think so. Uh, they shot 32% tonight from the field. Okay. And 20 and 21.9 from three. Right. It's incredible that they won this game. But I mean, 30, they were 33 out of 38 from the free throw line. Well, let's go to a question, that's, by the way, while you make that point. And uh, let's see here. There it is. So Rex asks the two best shooters in the world. Why go to Durant for the final shot? And let me just tell you, if you guys are in this thing, there's 23 of you guys right now in our little waiting room. You can a- ask a question this way. Uh, with a raised hand or ask a question. You can actually come on and join us video or audio-wise if you like as well. So uh, look around there. It should be pretty clear. And join us and ask a question live. It'd be great to have you as video. So uh, but let's get back to Rex's question. Why go to Durant for the final shot? I mean, I think you just kind of answered it uh, a few with one of your stats a few minutes ago, right? Yeah, well, not only were Clay and, and Steph not having a great night, but also, you know, look at the matchup. I think uh, was Tatum was guarding Durant at that point, and, and you, you know, that's a favorable matchup. It's, he's a rookie. You know, you expect maybe you got a good shot to, for him to make a mistake or something like that, and, you know, you do what you yeah. do. I like so the I, shot. I, I like some more action. Yeah. They got a great Rather shot on that, just, but I thought what was missing was any kind of the weak side of rebounding. I got to go back and watch it again to see – why there was nobody there and and then Steph actually they threw the ball up to Tatum and that probably should have been a steal I think Steph kind of just conceded for a second and then didn't get there that they threw a kind of a lazy pass that like was one of those things where he steals it and um and hits a three that was when they were down by two right yeah right mm-hmm. yeah and that would have yeah. been that would have been like you fell off your chair ending and another way to fall off your chair in delight is by cooking meals from Blue Apron They're the number one fresh ingredient delivery service in the country, making incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. I know I'm not alone in my disdain for having to go shopping for food at the supermarket, and I swear half the produce I buy goes bad before I cook it. Blue Apron eliminates that by delivering the food right to your door, with each ingredient measured exactly and easy-to-follow recipes that can be prepared in 40 minutes or less. You'll never have a recipe repeated within a year, and they can customize them to your liking. Plus, the delivery schedule is tailored to your calendar. I just made their seared steak with garlic butter, oven fries, and romaine salad, and my whole family was giving me high fives the entire meal. The best part of all this is you can save $30 off your first meal by going to blueapron.com slash coachnick. That includes free shipping. So what are you waiting for? Head over to blueapron.com slash coachnick, save $30, and find out what it's like to cook and eat incredible home-cooked meals. Blue Apron, it's what's for dinner. Oh, wait. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Uh, we have another question here. Let's, let's go to another question here. Let's do this. Uh, so here they come. Uh, this is from Al asks, to me, it seemed like the Celtics offense was really stagnant and a lot of standing around. Why isn't Stevens doing anything about this? Okay, great question. Dave, you want to grab that one? I actually 
disagree with that assessment. I think that there's plenty of movement, um, but it does seem like he's baked in some time for Kyrie to be Kyrie. And I don't know if that's on purpose or if that's just, you know, um, you know, one of those things where you, you just have to live with it. But uh, that might be what he's thinking about. But those moments didn't stand out all that much to me. I, I thought that they had good looks tonight. They just didn't make any of them. Yeah, I, I hear you and I hear what he says, too. There were there were moments. It wasn't a lot, but there were times. Um, and I think both teams got it, were guilty of that a little bit where it, it got. I mean, there was a there was three threes in a row. I think Kyrie or maybe it was like Steph, Kyrie and then Clay. And then Clay the worst threes I've seen all year long and under a minute to go under two minutes ago. And so it was just like, I don't know what they were doing. I just feel like somebody wanted to be a hero. No one wanted to actually work to get the, the hero shot on either side. Um, and it culminated in, a, in a, some funky stuff down the stretch too. So uh, an interesting game, really intense, certainly playoff atmosphere. Always good to see that in uh, in a November game. Yeah, it was, it was fun, man. I, I'm, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. We have some more questions here. Um, Robert, let's get this one. Someone, someone in the uh, Periscope says that we're disrespecting the Suns <laughs> by well, doing this show. Are. Well, what are you going to do? Um, yeah. Dave, here's a good question for you. And you know what? The Suns got to earn our respect, don't they? That's right. That's right. Although, Nothing given in this league. After after their start, I mean, they are they have been better. And I need to kind of take a dive and see what's going on there because the record Devin is a lot better than great. I'm probably even getting credit for right now. But – Robert asks, Coach, do you see a Celtics-Warriors finals this season? Hmm. What do you think, Dave? Uh, I think there's a there's a chance. There, I mean, for sure, the Celtics have a puncher's chance. And I wouldn't have thought that after opening night when Hayward went down. Credit to Brad Stevens. Credit to these young guys who are ready to play. Um, obviously, Jalen Brown we talked about a lot. Jason Tatum getting a lot of buzz. But... I mean, Shemi Ojale is giving good minutes off the bench and and doesn't look out of his element. Uh, you know, you you keep bringing up Aaron Baines. That guy can play, man. And it, and it's not like this is the first year he's been able to play. So, uh, yeah, I think they have a chance. They're, they're deep. Right? Yes, yes. That's it. There, you have a Baines um, quality and some Aussie there, too. But, uh, no, I, I mean, I it's funny because I thought really he'd great be experience. – yeah, right. I, I thought Baines would be even more of an X-factor tonight. And uh, he had a couple moments, but it was sort of like, uh, you know, it, but he's in there and he causes problems. He's just so big uh, with what yeah, he can do. Yeah, but it's hard to keep a guy that size on the Hard to keep a guy that size on the floor against the Warriors. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I mean, everyone said you can't go small and try and shoot with them. And I, I mean, listen, if you can shoot, then go do what you do. But if that's not exactly what you do, then yeah, then, you know, try something different and try and muck it up. But again, I mean, we can't ignore what happened with the, like the referees and the, and, the, and the free throw disparity and all that kind of stuff. Really just, you know, it's interesting. Now, what will be really interesting to see is what happens when they come back to Golden State and play them in the game in round two. Uh, but there's no question in my mind what we saw so far was that this, this Celtics team should be able to compete with the Cavs. The only difference you might say, well, you know, look what they did against a team that had Kevin Durant, as if you're going to compare that to, to um, LeBron. But that the difference is, is that Kevin Durant is uh, is much more of a lightweight compared to LeBron, and isn't going to put the kind of uh, physical pressure on your defense that LeBron will, and that just changes everything. Uh, but I don't, you know, obviously they're not as good this year. They're 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 having troubles, and unless Isaiah Thomas comes back full strength and they get that all meshed in, which could happen, then I, I would say the Celtics have a good good shot at beating them. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I was reading something today where uh, someone posited the idea of trying to trade LeBron. And you and I talked about that this summer, that if LeBron's going to be out, the Cavs should explore trading him. They should go to him. He, you know, he has a no trade clause. And they should say straight up, look, do you want to be here? Where do you want to go if you don't want to be here? Let us try to help you get there. You know? And because there, there's just, I mean, they're, I don't think they're good enough to win the title. I mean, obviously, they're not going to beat the Warriors. Do you want to waste that Nets pick trying to get another player like Boogie Cousins or someone like that just for LeBron to leave during the summer? No. And so, you know, again, he's got a no trade clause. So you might, it might be, you know, talking to, you know, a hole in the ground, but uh, I, I think it's worth at least thinking about. So there's that. I mean, you know, are the Cavs, are the Cavs going to push all their chips in the table? Like they have the last few years where they go, you know, they're trying to make these moves. They're going after big name uh, buyout guys. They're doing things like that. Are they going to do all that and pay all that extra luxury tax uh, for a team that's not going to win the title? That That's something to watch as we go, you know, forward. Yeah, but I wouldn't spend too much thought, uh, brain energy on LeBron. I don't mean the LeBron then. trade. I mean the other stuff. I mean the other stuff. Okay. So, you know, every year they seem to add a guy, you know, with the idea that it helps get him over the hump or something like that. And this year might be the year that they can't do it. So, fair enough. Well, should we go to uh, Periscope for a couple questions? Uh, yes. I, I got one. Triggs NBA asks, what do you guys think the Celtics will do with Smart in the offseason? Will they match a big offer? Uh, interesting. You actually, you answered that as a, as a well, I was I, talking, I guess. So I did. Uh, I'll, I'll answer it here on the on the podcast too. Um, yeah, I think his his market's going to be fascinating. It is going to be really interesting because, you know, by every metric, he is a positive defensive player, and a you know, if you're only looking, if you're ignoring his you know his plus minus and all that, he is a negative on offense. Um, but when you look at how well the team does with him on the court, he obviously is a winning player. And so, you know, obviously I think for them, there is going to be a cap to what they will pay because they've already got what they see as sort of like a smaller version of a big three. And, uh, I don't, I don't think they're going to go over, I would guess 13 million from a, an offer yeah. from another team of 13 million and he's gone. Yeah, I would imagine they, yeah, they, they'll ride with who they have, uh, Ojale and, and Rozier and those guys. And, um, and, and you know, I, and I wouldn't blame them. I don't think he's worth uh, whatever. The, it's not the max. He won't get that. But, uh, you know, there's definitely a number uh, that they're going to have to not budge from. And, you know, shake his hand and give him a hug and, and say thanks and, and move on. We have some other questions here in the queue over on Shindig. So if you want to ask a question there, and remember, you can ask a question if you're on your, uh, I think in your phone too, that's either video or audio. So you can interact with us live or, or do a, a text here. So let's do, um, let's see here. Why did KD rush the shot? And I don't know who asked this question, but that's the question right there. Did you feel like you rushed it, Dave? Uh, no, I felt like it was a good look. Yeah. I mean, I think he got a good look. I think it was in rhythm. I think it was tough because he's going away from the basket. But, you know, all things being said, it was a good shot. Uh, not much else you're going to be able to do about that. So good question. Oh, Jesse Allen has a question for us. Let's publish that one. Why was it that Boston got away with hugging Steph before he can get off screens tonight? Seemed more aggressive than normal. Is this almost needed? Uh, is this almost needed to beat the Warriors? Uh, let me jump in here for a second. Yes, it was really physical and also felt like they called one on Steph. That was really bad. Where um, somebody cut it's into not the him. First time and he kinda, who was it? Who was cutting? 
Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it this is not the first time. Anyway, maybe it was Tatum. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, and it was like all of a sudden they blew the whistle, and it was it was just really bad. And meanwhile, they were really letting him. That, that, but I don't even know if it's that much different than normal. I feel like Steph is the normal for him now is simply like some sort of a hug. Um, and usually they're on the top side of him, which is kind of weird. So he's got to learn how to, you know, I guess cut back door and then flow into something else at the pin down where the guy's trailing. And that probably is something that, this, that Steve Kerr is going to have to look at um, as well. Uh, they've known know about that question. Yeah, no, it's yeah. okay. They, they've, they've known about it. Calling the, the title two years ago. They, you know, they were able to be physical off the ball. Chris Paul right. sort, sort of started this. He like Steph doesn't get these calls, and he he probably is manhandled off ball more than any player in the league, and right. rarely gets these calls, and it's just insane. And then you know now a few times this season he's been called off the ball, and I like I laugh about it because it's kind of like they're trolling him. Um, I think Steph needs to just take some acting classes and get better at flopping because it, it seems like he's not going to get these calls until he's better at it. Like he sucks at flopping. He's a bad flopper. So he should get better. Yeah. At it. That, that's what I would recommend. Yeah. He's got to exaggerate. Okay. Uh, th- that's not a bad point. And that, that might help him or might, you know, we'll see. And, and by the way, I don't blame, but that's what the defense has to do. There's nothing else you can do against that guy. He's too quick. He's too shot. He's too, you know, good from anywhere. Uh, that's how I would have guarded him if I was out there. So, um, yeah, yeah it, it's interesting, and they're going to have to figure out. But th- either that and or they, there's got to be a more flow. Once they realize the defender is in that position, you got to be able to use that against them. That's the triangle offense stuff that they would, you know, that Phil would get into and use. And, um, and we'll see how that goes. And then otherwise, they'll just ride with, like, KD, trying to isolate and create his own shot, too, if it's too physical. And, uh, you know, that seems to work against just about everybody else. And you know what also really works for everybody else? Buying them flowers specifically from proflowers.com. Believe it or not, I'm obsessed with horticulture, and I love when the vivid colors of a floral arrangement light up my dining room. I couldn't get over how long my bouquet from Pro Flowers stayed fresh, and they're guaranteed to last for at least seven days. You still have plenty of time for your Thanksgiving flower needs, and they've got amazing deals on all sorts of Turkey Day-related arrangements. And you can't lose, since you'll get 20% off any order of $29 or more by using my code BBALL at checkout. ProFlowers gives you more bloom for your buck. See what I did there? Big, beautiful flowers, more stems for your money, and long-lasting freshness. So click on ProFlowers.com, get some mums or a harvest centerpiece for the table, and use my code BBALL to save 20% off your order of $29 or more. So we have another question here from Darius Scott, who says, who asks, what from the Cavs as of now makes you think they can keep up with the Celtics? Aha. This is an interesting twist of the phrase here. So how does that, what do we see? Is there anything? I mentioned LeBron, certainly, but what else? I mean, LeBron is kind of it. And like maybe Isaiah becomes back, right? Yeah, I mean, we don't. I mean, I'm not even going to speculate on that because you know you have talked to me quite a bit about your experience with the the similar hip issue, and uh, yeah. I've got another friend who's got the same thing. I'm not expecting him to come back and be what we saw last year pre injury. I'm just not interesting, and, and I'm not gonna. I think if you're the Cavs and you're counting on that, that's a that's a terrible position to be in. Right. Well, and there's no question that they are counting on it because they're struggling against bad teams right now. And they're, they've won a few of those, but it's not been pretty at all. And that just 
you know, I don't care if he turns it on. I mean, listen, can, can LeBron turn it on? I'll show you five, six great defensive plays this year already where he suddenly turned it on and really did it. And so we know he can do it. But um, it's just, it's, I don't know. And what, what do we know? Because, again, we keep saying this every freaking year. And then every year they get to the finals and they're, you know, whatever. So uh, who knows? But this year seems to be the year, I would, I would think. Um, well, I, you know, the other night during the Knicks game, I brought up flip, not being able to flip the switch this year. And then LeBron in that game flips the switch and all of a sudden is like, you know. Yep. There it it's is. It's unfair. He, he knew we were talking about him. Pretty Should we much. go? Let's see. We have another question. We have a bunch of questions here over on, on Shindig. Oh, someone has raised their hand. Um, let's try this. Je- Jefferson Santos. I don't even know what happens if I do this. Um, let's try this. All right, you come. Let's see if Jefferson's going to join us here for a question uh, with video. Let's see what happens. I'm really excited. Hello, hello. Maybe he went away already. Oh, there he is. Oh, there he is. What's up, buddy? Sorry. Can you hear us? Hello. Yes, we can hear you. Uh, I mean, I can hear you. All right. What's, up, What's going on? I follow. First off, follow you guys all the time. You guys are like the first podcast I listen to every morning. So, hey, hello, Dave. Hey, coach. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> kind of getting used to this app and i just downloaded it but uh my question is um kind of change up the subject the lakers um i'm a huge laker fan and uh obviously we've been struggling offensively and i think you guys brought this up um up to what point is it the coach's responsibility for the team struggles um obviously we have the young talent and whatnot but uh ingram has been uh had a slow start that you guys talk about but he's been picked it up he's picked it up you know, he's growing into more of a man and, you know, obviously he's still skinny, but, but he's doing a lot of work and as well as Kuzma, Randall and whatnot. But I think it has to do with the coaching. What do you guys think? Uh, up to when, you guys are coaches. So up to like, what point is it the coach's responsibility and like got to be accountable for that? I've always wondered. Dave, that. you want to get in there? Uh, Yeah, I'll jump in there. I, I think the, the coach's job is, you know, I, you know, there's player development and now all that stuff behind the scenes. But as far as in the game and practices and stuff, the coach's job is to put their players in the best position to succeed, which is why, in you know, I don't like Ingram taking all these mid-range shots that are forced and contested and stuff. He, he actually has had back-to-back really, really impressive games. The, the Embiid game the other night could have been the Ingram game if Embiid wasn't Embiid. He was, he was fantastic. Um, but Lonzo on the other hand, is not being used in a way that accentuates his strengths and allows him to kind of grow. Like he, there's a little bit too much pressure on him right now. He's not being used on yeah. the weak side as much, just like in UCLA. You go watch that tape. He was hardly ever running pick and rolls. He literally ran 29 pick and rolls the entire year last year. So I, I really think that they they need to take his usage down. Uh, he's probably shooting too many times a game, and and he had the one game where he only took like two shots um and i think uh, they need to ease him along walton said today they don't want to bring him off the bench i i would i would really consider it uh clarkson has also been really good so you know you might actually have some greater team success there too so i don't know but uh nick what do you think yeah wow i mean listen you covered a whole lot in a, in a short time frame uh I'll, I'll just talk about the lonzo thing i i think what we have here 
is the case of a guy who has never really had adversity on the basketball court. He has no idea how to deal with it. Uh, they're not playing him in the fourth quarters all of a sudden. And this is going to be the thing where he would have gone through as a freshman or a sophomore or a junior in high school and then maybe a little bit during his, his college year or whatever, and he's not gone through it. I don't think he's handling it very well. Perhaps he was distracted by his brother in use in China, which certainly would have been a thing because he was facing 10 years in prison. And somehow, luckily, uh, Trump got involved and got him out of there. So there's a lot of things going on that, you know, as a 19 year old or whatever he is now, it would definitely affect all of that. That said, it's worthy of a video I want to go through and really look at what's going on because I defended his shot mechanics. And I just saw Rick Bucher publish something. We had four anonymous NBA shooting experts. I don't know who those people are, but I liked he didn't call me. who were criticizing it. Do you know who they were, Dave? Uh, no, he didn't call me. I actually, You know what's funny is that this morning I dove into the video because I wanted to look. Because you and I both yeah. talked about it. Um, he's using a lot of his guide hand right now. And uh, I, I actually think that we were maybe wrong about his mechanics. I think he's going to have to rework them for the league. Um, it, it, the way he shoots is such a small window for error. And in the NBA, you know, accounting for the speed of the game and, and stuff like that, his slow gather is such a hindrance to everything else that I think that throws everything off. So I think he needs a more traditional shot for him and they're going to have to rework it. Okay. Now, although I would say the gather isn't necessarily related to the release to the left of his face, but you know, I, you I'm could probably speed whole, that up without changing that. It's the whole thing. It's the whole thing. It's, yeah. He, I hear you. He Let's start from scratch. It's a good experiment to see what's going to happen. He might just need to adjust and he might go on a run and we'll all be, you know, you know, say never mind, but we'll have to wait and see. But anyhow, um, I think that that, uh, I mean, I, I think the Lakers are a process. I think that Luke Walton is, you have to have to be patient. These guys are young. They, they don't have a lot of uh, pressure on them to win a lot of games right now. And so I think that there is, uh, you'll see the good coaches will develop these players as well. You know, Brad Stevens and all these guys will do that and develop and you'll see that happen. And I think Luke Walden is just, you know, he's learning how to do that as a young coach with, with not a lot of experience. And um, they're going to have to grow together. Right now, it's not it's not as good as a, as a player, coach like Stevens would. But uh, there's definitely some, some, some culture stuff going on that I think is really good. And I think they're going to get there. Cool. cool. I still Thanks, stand guys. by my statement that they need an X and O's guy. That's and that is that is possible. But anyhow, well, thank you for joining us. Anybody else? Uh, we'll we'll check in on the next show. But thanks for coming in the show for us. I appreciate great question. Thank you. Um, and anybody else who wants to do that, I, I get figure it out. There's a little thing to do, and you can come on and ask a question, video, audio, or we have questions by text. Let's get to some of those. So let's do that right now. We have Robert asks. So if not the Celtics, do you see the Cavs? I have to be honest. I do not see that team of elders going to the finals. So we kind of talked about that. It's probably either or, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's right. It's I, I I don't know. I mean, the Wizards have actually been really good. Uh, their starting unit, yeah. at least. Um, yeah, oh. they're starting. Their starting five has been good, man. Otto Porter is okay. insane this year. Um, yeah, and Bradley Beal might be better than John Wall right now. Uh, th okay, that's interesting. You know, and I know that uh, Ubre was doing well at some point. In the, and I lost track of them for a second, but. Um, uh, as we're talking, I kind of just want to check the standings. So I feel like wasn't their record a little bit troubled? Um, the Wizards are uh, oh no yeah, nine and five know. okay yeah then they've won four in a row so they were five and five that was what I was looking at going what's going on with them so okay all right I'll, I'll have to take a dive on them and see what's going on uh, let's see here we have some more questions here Emmett Holton let's get him uh, up here on the on the screen what are Coach Nick's thoughts about players who have more fun than Embiid on the court um, I'm not sure what about this is. last night man 
No. I, so I, I tweeted about this last night. I don't think that there's any guy in the league that appreciates the moment in the moment the way Embiid does. When Kuzma almost dunked on him, I, you could see like it was kind of a sheepish <laughs> smile, and he was loving it because he knew like he was almost embarrassed, and he got yeah. he got away with one. And and again, man, I like this is why guys like that, and we've talked about Nick Young, right? Like just. They just really do look like, and and Nick Young, I know, does some infuriating things, but the guy just looks so like he's having so much fun, and really is like soaking up every second of it. And this is why it it's so easy to root for Embiid, aside from the fact that he has like, you know, historical greatness as far as uh, potential goes. Um, he also is just he, he really is enjoying it and loves it. I, I loved his tweet after the game. You know, like. That guy gets it, man. Like this is a game, and it's supposed to be fun, and and you should enjoy it. And and I like that he doesn't take himself too seriously. So, yeah, I, I tweeted about that last night because I just, man, I love stuff like that. Yeah, and I, and I just did a video on him today where we we're kind of comparing him favorably to Hakeem. And uh, the thing is, is you know, I feel like when you're in a positive frame of mind, that's when you play your best, and that sort of goes against like with the refer- the coaches who are always screaming and yelling and trying to get them intense. I think that there's a balance you need to be able to find. Uh, and Stevens was great. You saw Stevens in the huddle tonight. Just like, you know, he's so calm and reassuring. I think that's what people respond to these days much more. But let me ask you this. So the smile and all that stuff, and people are loving him for it. Why don't they love Dwight for it? Because I think everyone feels like it's fake with Dwight, which it probably is. I mean, like, Dwight has never left the team and had the, had the teammates be like, man, I love that guy. <laughs> like the Hawks, okay. the Hawks celebrated when he got traded. So uh, I think with Dwight, it just feels fake and forced. I mean, I remember when Dwight was like around the draft and he did this terrible uh, impression of Debo from Friday. And it's just that has stuck with me to this day, just about like how like kind of fake and forced his personality is. It sucks, man. All right. Well, let's let's not pile I, on too much. But okay, good answer. I think Dwight Dwight's a great player and he's a Hall of Famer. But you know, oh, oh, that's interesting. Good question too. Is he a Hall of Famer? Kevin oh, wants to know. First ballot, no doubt. This? All right. Well, oh, okay. Really? I got to look at yeah. his accomplishments. I guess so. Um, Kevin asks, "Do you think that Philly again? We'll, we can go into the Hall of Fame discussion later because I, again, I don't yeah, understand yeah. that any of that stuff. Do you think that Philly has a chance of taking out Cleveland or Boston? It's a good question." This year, do they have a chance? I don't know. I, I doubt so. it, but but they're dangerous. Yeah, I think they're by dangerous. this time next year, they're they'll be. I would say they're the favorites. They're going to probably get Fultz healthy, and and I would imagine playing well. And uh, they'll have you know they have the perfect the perfect pieces. I love McConnell. I love. I don't know. Reddick's going to come back, but I love McConnell. I love um, uh, Justin Anderson. And I, I love him so much. I almost forgot his name. And then, um, oh, my gosh, who's the other player that's on that? It was coming off the bench for them. That's great. Um, I'm blanking. Sarge? Dave, can you help me? No, he's not Sarge? coming off the bench. He's, well, he's, he's, well, he started. Um, no, he's not out. one of those guys. Anyway, I'll look it up in a second. But, like, so they did some – Hinky did some really great stuff. Oh, Covington. Sorry, Covington. Yeah. Those three well, guys started. are perfect around around uh, Embiid and, and Simmons. Perfect. So if they get Fultz and they get like another guy or develop somebody else, then they're, they're going to be the favorites in my mind for the East. And that's going to go on for, for eight or nine straight years. Yeah. People have been asking me if I think LeBron might consider going there. Uh, no, I don't, I don't see that happening. 
Um, no, I don't. Uh, LeBron to Philly? I don't. I don't know. I mean, he should stay in the East if he's going to go anywhere. But uh, I don't think that Philly even. That just no. That changes everything that they've been working towards. Um, let's see here. We have an interesting question here from Al. Let's do that real quick. Do the Warriors take too many mid-range shots? I don't think so. I don't know. I, I, I don't have the shot chart in front of me. Although we did see, I've seen Steph Curry take some mid-range the last couple of games, which is very st- startling, startling to see him because either they're floaters or they're threes. Rarely does he actually shoot a jump shot from between 15 and 19, and he did, and I think tonight too. Uh, and then we saw Kevin Durant will do that. He'll take long twos. Uh, I don't think it's too many. Do you? You don't think it's too many, do you? Or I don't no. know. You have to look at the shot. Yeah. So no. I yeah, I'd have to look at it. It didn't feel um, like too much. All right. How about this? Let's go over back over to um, Periscope. Let's see if there are questions here as we start to wrap up the show. Do you see anything, Dave? Uh, I'm looking right now. Let's see. Oh, well, somebody wants to know if I'm going to ask long-time, uh, long-time nosies. Wants to know if I'm going to ask Ronnie about the calls from tonight. What do you think, Dave? Should we do a core call about some of the calls tonight? Um, I don't know. I mean it- – the the Kyrie foul at the end is probably the one that people are going to focus on the most. And like you said, the NBA for the last two minute report is going to be able to Zapruder film that thing and pretend like they called it on Iguodala. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and I don't, oh, you I don't mean, mean I, I, I don't know if it's yeah, I don't know if it's if it's worth it. Yeah. So uh, okay, the foul call I mean, 38, 38 to nineteen free throw disparity it cannot be ignored though. You just can't yeah. ignore that. I, I hear you. Uh, anything else we see here in the in the timeline over on Periscope? No, it seems like a lot of stuff we've already for, What's that? Seems like a lot of stuff we've already we had already covered. Yeah, yeah, we were so good we knew what they're going to ask. Uh, there's one question. Truth be told, wants to know if we uh, think the Celtics should trade for Anthony Davis. Um, I don't think that they that would just gut the team too much, wouldn't it? Yeah, they'd have to give up too much. I, I don't I don't even know that they could pull it off without. I mean. Jalen Brown, do you want to trade Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum? No, no. The next guy, no. I don't think so. Yeah, and this isn't to say that that Anthony Davis isn't an amazing player, but like you would have to give up a ton. And part of what what makes them so great is how deep they are. They're deep with confident or competent players, which a lot of teams, yeah. you know, you can say I've got eight competent guys, and then two guys that get minutes, but they're not the greatest. Right, they can go gonna, with eleven then, deep. And then they're going to add Hayward to that eventually. So that's going to be what they need. That's all they need. Yeah. So, hey, Nick, I, I got to ask you this yeah. this question before we wrap up. Did you hear what Kevin Durant said about the uh, the tweets from the summer? No. Okay. What did he say? So he said, he said sleepiness made him send those bad tweets. That he was tired. He uh, wasn't no, sleeping a lot. Let's be clear which tweets we're talking about. We're talking about um, the ones where he was somebody else. Uh, yes, uh, I believe so. Yeah. Okay. So the ones yeah. where he was tweeting out, defending himself as if he was somebody else, where, the fake where, account was just him. He did right, that because he, he was said, sleepy. He was sleepy. Yeah. He said he didn't like the organization or playing for Billy Donovan. His, ro- his roster wasn't that good. It was just him and Russ. Imagine taking Russ off that team. See how bad they were. KD can't win a championship with those cats. And and he said he was sleepy is why he wrote that. Yes. Okay. I mean, Wait, have you I said don't know any bad? 
Here's my question. Have you sent any bad tweets that you can blame on fatigue? <laughs> oh, I think so. I, I've actually, I, I remember a while ago, I had not remember what the tweet was. I remember I had woken up and I was so discombobulated and I, and I did, but it was something like stupid, like the schedule or something like the time zone. I couldn't, it took me like five minutes to figure out what I was saying. And I, and I had like to rewrite the tweet three, four, not different times. So that, that happened, but, but not, that's pretty specific and a pretty, you know, strong feeling to have to like somehow be stuck in your brain. It is a sleepy brain that, that, that accidentally comes out. It's not true. Right. That's the he kind of thing that comes out. In third person. He referred to right, himself right. in the third person. Yeah. So that, that, well, you know, so he was awake enough to know he was on the, he was trying to be at the other account. And, um, but uh, no, that's like, well, yeah, when you get really, you know, if someone's really drunk and they all, the truth starts coming out, like that's, that's what you would hear. We couldn't win with that team. And look at those guys. Like, the, and I hated the organization. Like that's all, that's all part of it. And, and by the way, I, I, it doesn't matter to me because I, I even, even still, I feel like he was telling the truth no matter what, like sleepy or not. He was right. He probably didn't like the organization. He didn't like the fact that Russ probably, controlled a lot more than KD did, which is I'm making extrapolation here, but it really feels that way. Um, and I feel like Russ has been part of the culture there that rubs a lot of people the wrong way. Yeah. I think, I think you kind of just hit the nail on the head. Yeah. So, uh, let's see here. We probably have time. Uh, we're going to out of time here. We want to do one more question here. We have a, a, a couple here in the, uh, uh, well, they're all the same people, though. So we're hoping to get some more people, some very people to get, uh, answer the questions. But uh, let's see here. Anything else from Periscope you see real quick? Uh, nope. Nope. I don't see anything. All right. Well, don't forget to check yeah. out. Um, let's see here. I just did a, uh, a really good Embiid video where I compare him to Hakeem, which we didn't really talk about that at all. But all I can tell you is that his three-point shooting and his passing, like as long as he doesn't get injured – I don't know. In my mind, he would he would end up being a better player than Hakeem uh, if he has a good 12, 13 year career. Is that crazy? Uh, no, I, I've said that he's got goat potential, right? Like, I mean, wow, he has he has legit. I mean, he's just so skilled and and such a physical dominating dominating presence. He's Shaq with a three point shot and high effort. I mean, it's really, no. it's really crazy. It's yeah. insane. I, I would say he's Akeem with the three point shot, even more than Shaq. But yes, either way, it's the same thing. And and a passer, um, he's be, he's a better passer than those guys. And he can handle yeah, the ball better. Now that's the, not that's not to say that Akeem didn't handle the ball well, but we just never got to see him on the perimeter handling right. the ball. This cat yeah. like puts the ball on the ground and drives. Well, and and the other thing is, uh, if if Akeem was playing now he would be shooting threes just like David Robinson, just like all these guys, they'd have been shooting threes. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah, they would. So. All right. Well, uh, listen, yeah. great show. Uh, anything you want to plug while we're here? Uh, you know, go listen to my podcast on the NBA with Dave DeFore. I just did a, a show because of people uh, claiming that Fultz is a bust after he played four games. Um, <laughs> Where we just uh, had Cole Zwicker on, who who's a prospect expert guy, and we just talked about her in general, and how everyone needs to just fo- focus on the process when you're judging these guys, not the results. Like with with the uh, fault stuff, I don't care that he missed a ton of shots. I care that he wasn't taking them and his form looked messed up. That's the stuff you focus on with rookies. You don't expect the results yet. Like Jason Tatum is such an outlier. I mean, don't even get me started on Ben Simmons and his what he's doing. That doesn't even count. 
Um, but for the most part, focus on what these guys are doing. And, you know, do you, do you see them, you know, how does, how does the mechanics look on the jump shot? Uh, does, does it seem like they have a feel for the game, feel for the pace? You know, how much of this is that they're, that they're adjusting to the speed of the NBA and the length of all these players? You know, like Lonzo Ball didn't have a whole lot of guys that were 6'8", 6'9", closing out on him when he was shooting deep threes at UCLA. And every night there's a guy like that. So, um, yeah, so check that out. I thought it was pretty good. And, and we really had fun with the topic, I think. Absolutely. I, I agree. And I listened to a lot of it this morning, uh, this morning and today. And so really great stuff. So check it out uh, over on your podcast. Listen to our podcast as well. Oh, and I launched a uh, another podcast, uh, which is on politics and culture. And I have a, I'm recording tomorrow with uh, Comedy Central's uh, The Daily Show's Ronnie Chang. Uh, so that promises to be a really funny one and really insightful on politics as well. So uh, head over there. That podcast is called Can You Hear Me Shaking My Head? And uh, other than that, Dave, again, great show. Thanks for coming on and joining me on this live post-game uh, shindig that we did. And uh, don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You win? You win, Dave? Yes, I am. <laughs>